0: Well, good morning, community. I pray that this um, video finds you well, uh, and we miss you here as a church, the few of us who are here recording. Um, we made the comment, we had a virtual elders meeting uh, the other night, and we made the comment that we can't wait to hear what this building will sound like whenever we get to all gather together and sing again uh, together as a church. So I know I'm looking forward to that. I miss you, and I hope you are as well. But this morning, even though we're not gathered together physically, uh, we are gathered together in the Spirit remotely. And so as we're gathered together, uh, we have the privilege of continuing our series through Psalm 88 this morning. And if you've been with us for this series, then you'll know that we've been speaking of the Psalms of Lament as Psalms that are on a trajectory, Psalms that move us through our pain into praise. However, we all know that there are moments in our lives when this doesn't happen. Moments when we are honest about our doubts, our fears, our struggles, and emotions with God, and yet we just can't seem to turn that corner to praise. And Psalm 88 addresses us in these very moments. Psalm 88 is one of only two psalms in the entire book that doesn't end in praise, It ends in darkness where it began. But in this psalm, even in our darkest moment, God wants to meet us and in a unique way speak his comfort to us. So at this moment, I'll just say um, we're going to continue as long as we do these videos uh, of our services to uh, do a short five-minute children's message. So if you want to do that as a family, you can go ahead and pause the video right now. Um, And go fast forward to the end and catch that together and discuss that as a family. Then I would encourage you to come back here um, and pick up the rest of the normal sermon. But if you have a Bible, please turn with me to Psalm 88. And you can pause and read together as a family or you can read along with me as I read. Psalm 88. A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah to the choir master, according to Mahalath Le'anath, a maskil of Haman the Ezraite. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul is full of troubles, and my life draws near to Sheol. I am counted among those who go down to the pit. I am a man who has no strength. Like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. I am shut in so that I cannot escape. My eye grows dim through sorrow. Every day I call upon you, O Lord. I spread out my hands to you. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, cry to you. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. This is God's Word. Thanks be to God for it. And I would invite you now to pray with me that God would teach us as we study His Word this morning. Let's pray. Father, as we come to You from separate homes together this morning, Lord, we pray that You would comfort us in a dark time. Lord, show us by Your Spirit what You would have us to do in the moments when we can't seem to lift our head to you. And Lord, work in the midst of our fears and our worries and our darkness and our anxiety and bring us to the foot of your throne. Help us to cast our cares upon you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, depending upon your situation in life, A certain song or quote or novel or movie may strike you completely different at any given moment. All of us have had a moment where we go back and we listen to songs that we used to like when we were growing up and we respond with, how did I ever like that? That music is garbage. Uh, For some of us, it might be 80s synthesizer music. For others of us, it might be early 2000s punk rock where the 15-year-old has gone through all of the troubles of life and is very angsty about them, but we also have all had moments where a song that we haven't really paid attention to that maybe we've heard dozens of times hits us in a way that we've never heard it before and shines a light into the depths of our souls. And the same goes, I've found, with the Psalms. And now I've read Psalm 88 multiple times before in my life, but never before this week preparing this sermon has it struck me the way that it has. And I think will strike all of us in a way that it couldn't even have done three weeks ago. You see, this psalm ends with one of the most dejected cries in the entire book, and in Hebrew. As is reflected in the English Standard Version of the Bible, which I read from, the word darkness is the last word in the psalm. Darkness has the final word in this psalm. It will not come as a shock for you to hear from me that we are living in times of darkness. So many of us feel this deeply. And like us today, this psalmist clearly penned this psalm in a season characterized by darkness. And so to truly understand what this psalm meant for the psalmist singing this and what it means for us today, we have to face the theme of this psalm head on. We have to face the darkness. Well, the psalmist is experiencing uh, three different layers of darkness in the psalm this morning. First, there's the darkness of his circumstances. Now, we're not told very much as readers about what has actually happened to the psalmist and as you read the psalm it's actually difficult to decipher at times what is emotional hyperbole on the part of the psalmist and what is actually real in his circumstances however we do know that the psalmist is isolated from others on the verge of death and lying awake at night wrestling with these circumstances But not only is the psalmist facing external darkness and turmoil, but he's also facing inner turmoil. We read in the text that his soul is vexed with trouble in verse 3. He's constantly thinking on the nearness of his own death. Death is also kind of a theme of this psalm. It comes up often. And as we read in verses 6 through 8, especially, the psalmist feels as if God himself is directly inflicting his wrath upon him in these things. Let's read verses 6 through 8 again together. It says, You have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy upon me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. You have caused my companions to shun me. You have made me a horror to them. He describes his situation as feeling like God's waves of wrath are rolling over him. Now water, uh, and particularly the ocean, is a majestic and scary thing. We can all think of days that we have had in the ocean at the beach when the surf was relentless, where we could hardly get to our feet before another wave would come and knock us over. Maybe we have a scary story like that with a family member or when we were a child or with our own children. But the psalmist here is saying that his life is like this that waves continue to come at him and knock him down, and he can hardly stand back up before another one hits him. Only his claim is that God is the one directly hurling the waves at him. God is the one that won't let him get to his feet. God is dunking him underwater so that he can barely catch his breath. He is gone from saying, I feel like I am in the pit, to God has pushed me down into the lowest dark corner of the pit, and he will not let me out. This language is ratcheted up. Now, as Benjamin mentioned a few weeks ago, the lamenter here is not simply saying, I feel like God is doing this to me, but drops all of his pretense and says directly, God, you are doing this to me. Why? But this darkness is not only external to the psalmist, and it not only is internal, arising up from his own soul, but it's also recurring. Now, if you look down to verses 14 through 18, you'll notice that a lot of the similar things that the psalmist complains about in the first half of the psalm are repeated again there. You see, he keeps circling back to his complaints. His suffering feeling like he is close to death and isolation, he, he can't seem to get out of that hole. He can't seem to speak to God about anything other than his doubts and fears and troubles. And how, how like our suffering is that? See, when we're suffering, it can be hard to think about anything else. We try to find normalcy. We try to lift our thoughts and hearts to other people and things, but it is almost impossible. We come back again and again. We may succeed for five minutes at a time, but then slip right back down into despair and feelings of abandonment and isolation. This is what is happening to the psalmist in this prayer. And that is what is happening to so many of us right now. We are facing the external reality of a novel virus and our mortality in light of that. We're facing economic concerns and job loss. Some of you are facing the real danger posed to your health by waking up and going in to work every day to care and serve the most vulnerable among us. We're facing the internal darkness of fear over our own death and the death of our loved ones, anxiety about what the future holds, loneliness of being stuck by ourselves in our homes or maybe in a nursing home, and grief over disrupted wedding plans or for students, maybe a cut short senior year of college or canceled spring sports or a musical that you've worked so hard for. And all of this won't stop. It comes back day after day, morning after morning, news cycle after news cycle, statistic after statistic, shift after shift, wave after wave. So what are we to do when faced with this kind of darkness? And more importantly, what comfort can we cling and hold on to for our souls in this type of darkness. This psalm provides three streams of comfort for us in times of darkness. Three streams of comfort. The first is that God knows that life is hard. God knows that life is hard. You see, the psalmist here doesn't pull any punches. He knows that believers in God will face hard times. Just because you are a Christian does not make you immune from suffering in this world. And anyone who tells you anything otherwise is a cruel liar. There was a a worship song that was popular when Whitley and I were in college that our campus praise band at our Christian college used to sing often. And uh, I actually really liked the song. I find myself singing the chorus of it. Uh, occasionally uh, from time to time here. And it's it's a song that lifts up the glory and majesty of God. But the first two lines of the song, I could never get over. And I kept thinking about why that was. And this psalm made it really clear for me as I thought about those lines. The first two lines of that song go like this. It says, I want to be close, close to your side, till heaven is real and death is a lie. See, maybe I'm being too nitpicky, but if you were to ask the psalmist here if death was a lie, he would cry out with all of his being, no, death is not an illusion. Death is not a lie. You see, God placed Psalm 88 in the canon of Scripture because he is realistic about the hardships of life and wants to give his people a song to sing in the midst of the darkness. This psalm is here for you to face death and despair because it is not a lie. It is real. God knows our fears and our emotions and has placed language in the book of Psalms to capture that graciously for us, even in our darkest moments. This psalm is for you to pray in your darkest hour. Christian, death is not a lie. It is real and it is scary. And it comes for all of us. But God has given us a psalm like this to pray in those moments when that fear seems insurmountable. God knows life is hard. The second stream of comfort that we have from this psalm is that God has patience with even the weakest faith. God has patience with even the weakest faith. Something it would be easy to pass over in this psalm, but which I want to bring us back to, is the way that the psalmist starts this prayer. In many ways, this is the most hope-filled line of the entire psalm. Look with me at verse 1 again. He says, O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. As dark as this prayer is, the psalmist directs this prayer to God. And this God that he addresses the prayer to is not some vague God that's impersonal, but the God of his personal salvation, the Lord, the God of Israel who has been faithful time and time again. You see, in his darkest moments, the psalmist didn't just complain in his soul. The psalmist raised his complaints and griefs to God. And in doing that, the psalmist had faith. And even the weakest faith, when it lays hold of and cries out to the strong God of our salvation, is true faith. You see, even when the psalmist sinks back down into recurring complaint about his troubles, he is still bringing that complaint to God. This is a psalm of weak, feeble faith, and yet it is still a prayer of faith. This psalm encourages us that even when our emotions are an absolute mixed bag and we can't even utter a sentence to God without drowning back in again in despair, God is still there and He still hears you. Take heart. God knows our weakness. And faith is truly even more childlike than we realize. Our last stream of comfort from this psalm is that God Himself experienced the waves of suffering. There's one significant portion of this psalm that we've not addressed, and it's probably the portion that stands out to you the most as you read it. And that's this string of questions in verses 10 through 12. Let's read that again here. He asks God, Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? In these verses, the psalmist is interrogating God in a way very similar to Job. His main point that he's getting across with this string of questions is God, what good will I be to you if I am dead in the grave? What praise can I bring you? Can you be glorified in death? And the implied answer to each of these questions is no. The psalmist certainly didn't think that death is a lie. The power of death is total and all encompassing. He's being real about the power of death. However, despite what the psalmist implied by his answer, in the gospel we receive a completely different answer to that question. You see, God not only knows that life is hard because he is all-knowing and sees all things, but he knows the difficulty of this life because he has been there as well. Jesus knows the horrors of the hour of death. Jesus knows what it feels like to have his friends abandon him in the hour of darkness such that darkness was his only friend. Jesus knows what it actually feels like to have the wrath of God directed against sin in his flesh. And Jesus knows what it feels like to come out on the other side, victoriously raised from the dead. You see, the steadfast love of the Lord has been declared in the grave the grave of his beloved son. So that question, can the dead rise up to praise you? The answer to that question in the gospel is a resounding yes. Because God himself, humbled in the flesh, has faced down the horrendous waves of death and come out on the other side. And anyone who places their trust in Jesus, no matter how weak or feeble it may be, no matter how dark the night may get, has the comfort and hope of a God who was abandoned to death, but then raised from the grave so that God's love might be spoken over each of our graves on the day of resurrection. In a time when so much is dark and unsure, when we are isolated and alone, when our death is looming at the forefront of our minds, trust the one who faced down death for you so that you may be raised on the dawn of that day when God comes again to make all things new. And in the meantime, no matter how dark it gets, even in the days when all you can do is circle back to reiterating your problems and your complaints before God. Lean on him for strength, and his spirit will be there for you and will give you the strength to continue on another day. One of the most prolific hymn writers of the 18th century was a woman named Anne Steele. much of Steele's writing was born out of her life of immense suffering. Steele's mother died when she was just three years old. She began suffering from acute malaria at 14. At age 19, she was thrown from a horse and paralyzed for life. And at age 21, her fiancé tragically died uh, of drowning just days before their wedding. In her first 21 years of life, Anne Steele experienced enough suffering for a lifetime. In a sense, she is the embodiment of what the psalmist says in verse 15, that darkness is with me from my youth up. That was Anne Steele's experience of life. And yet, in that darkness, she penned the beautiful words to the hymn, Dear Refuge of My Weary Soul. Let me close our time this morning with the first two verses of that wonderful hymn it says dear refuge of my weary soul on thee when sorrows rise on thee when waves of trouble roll my fainting hope relies to thee I tell each rising grief for thou alone can heal thy word can bring a sweet relief for every pain I feel but oh when gloomy doubts prevail I fear to call thee mine The springs of comfort seem to fail and all my hopes decline. Yet gracious God, where shall I flee? Thou art my only trust and still my soul would cleave to thee though prostrate in the dust. Amen. May it be so for each of us. Let's pray. Father, in a time where we don't have answers, in a time where we feel out of control, in a time where we feel very small, help us to trust you. Give us that childlike faith that is willing to trust you even when we cannot see what is in front of us. Because we know that although this, what comes in this life is unsure, that your love even to the grave is sure. And we can know that because it followed your son there and raised him from death. And the same will be true for us. Make us rock solid in that hope today. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.